The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Offer, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this streaming show on Paramount+. And joining me today on the panel are Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Dom. What's going on? And Mike Creevy. Hey, Mike. Hey, good to be here. Uh, Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast, or at the StarQuest YouTube channel where you should be sure to hit the bell to get notifications. I want to tell you about another show on the network you are sure to enjoy, which my fellow panelists are involved with, which is The Secrets of Star Wars, which with the new Andor series starting just as this episode drops. So go be sure to check that out. You can find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. Uh, I want to start with a little bit of listener feedback. This was actually some timely feedback. It came in just recently, uh, and, but it's about some older shows we did on the Godfather's uh, movies. Uh, this was from Tim Lucchese. If that name sounds familiar, it should. Tim says, I'm a longtime SQPN listener, and my wife and I became proud patrons early this year. Just recently, I finally started listening to Secrets of Movies and TV shows. And quick story about an older episode. My last name is Lucchese. About 20 or 30 years ago, my dad was on a trip for work. He sat in his cheap motel doing paperwork and turned on the TV. Godfather 3 was on, and he'd never seen the third one. He was intensely focused on his work when suddenly my dad heard people discussing the need to kill Lucchese. (laughs) He later told me he never looked around so quickly in a moment of panic. I made sure to pay closer attention the first time I watched the movie. <laughs> Brilliant. That, that is great, Tim. That is a great story. <laughs> the dangers of being an Italian American watching the Godfather movies. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we are here to discuss the offer. This is a uh, biographical drama miniseries created by Michael Tolkien about the development and production of Francis Ford Coppola's landmark 1972 New York gangster film, The Godfather, for Paramount Pictures. Uh, it stars Miles Teller, Matthew Good, Giovanni Ribisi, Colin Hanks, Dan Fogler, Juno Temple, Bern Gorman. The series premiered uh, in April 2022 on Paramount Plus, of course, and it ran 10 episodes. Uh, I should also mention, I have to mention, I can't leave out of the list of stars, Lou Ferrigno as Lenny Montana playing Luca Brasi uh, in who, in The Godfather, the, in the film within the, the show. Um, you know, if the Incredible Hulk shows up on your cast list, you got you to talk about it. You know? Anyway, uh, so first, is, so the reason we're here together is because the three of us have talked about The Godfather movies, the three of us, uh, the one, two and three. Uh, and when this came out, we, you know, I knew we had to talk about this now. So, uh Overall impressions of this as Godfather fans. Uh, how about you, Mike? What's your overall impression? I I really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, for 
any of our listeners, you know, from sort of a a family friendly perspective, we do, of course, you know, there's yes, it's not it's not a family show. Um, uh, I did I, honestly, like, and I'm I'm not shocked by pretty much anything, you know, per se. Like, I mean, but it, it, I did honestly. The only criticism with that I found is I just from a rating standpoint, like, I don't I don't know. I wasn't in these meetings with Paramount. I wasn't in that world. I don't know how often. You know, people day to day are saying certain words, but sometimes I was just like, do you guys like, could you maybe take that out six times from this episode? <laughs> so so it did, sometimes a little distracting just because I, you know, again, yeah. like it's nothing I haven't heard. But but other than that, you know, just just the show itself, um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was I, the first thing I wrote down was just very entertaining, you know, for one thing. Um, and we'll get into this a lot more later with the details, of course. But the way that it built and built and built to the point where you know you're seeing sets you know a lot of suggested like you don't see a like many full scenes or something where you're watching a scene from the godfather being filmed right but there are some you know and the way that they do some of the really big ones you know i just i had a, a couple favorites i wrote down we'll get to later but uh that was probably my favorite part was just really seeing it like that the way it comes together you know um uh in this show was was just really well done Right, right. The they the way they they built the sets, they recreated these sets yeah. and these the you know the scenes. Uh, but from the behind the scenes perspective, you're right. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty wild. Um, how about you, Andrew? What what's your overall impression? Yeah, you know, it was sort of a mixed bag for me, but you know, overall, I I did enjoy the show. I, I think it, it's not what you would expect, especially if you know. I think the more you know about the actual story behind The Godfather, uh, it can kind of throw you off a little bit because I don't think this show aimed for accuracy. You know, I I think, uh, like you mentioned, Mike, it's it aimed for being entertaining. I think the characters, they're more caricatures of the actual people Mm -hmm. and, and not maybe full on accurate displays of 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 how they really are, how they really were at the time. Um, so I think once I kind of bought into that and I, and I, and I kind of realized what the tone of the show would be, it's kind of more comedic and, and feel good than you would think, you know, uh, mm. you know, the, the Godfather movies are, are, are pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like this show was like a little more, yeah, I mean, it, there are definitely many dramatic moments on this show. And, and, uh, I'm not saying that it, it's like a total, uh, comedic type of show, but it's, I, I, it was a lot more in that vein than I thought it would be. And then, but once, once I, I, I accepted that, then I really enjoyed the show because the cast really stands out. I think, I think almost everyone was cast perfectly except for maybe Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> I think he was a little <laughs> over the top <laughs> with his Joe Colombo. Mm. Uh, and I enjoy Giovanni Ribisi. I think he's a great actor, but I think, like he kind of threw me off a little bit, but anyway, I mean, for the most part, I, I thought the cast was really good. I thought uh, Matthew Good stood out, and, and Juno Temple uh, as a second, uh, as Al secretary stood out. Um, and uh, yeah, overall, I did have a good time. But uh, I, again, I, I think once you accepted that this is not a show so much about the actual filming of it because like you said there there's not a lot of like the scenes really show before and after they cut 
right. you know, so they, 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 they made it a point to not reenact any scenes. And I guess that's a, I mean, how could you, you know, like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a Godfather. You're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to do it better. Uh, um, you're not going to do it justice, but, uh, but yeah, because of the performances and because of, uh, some of the lighthearted, funny moments, it, it was really an entertaining show and, and, yeah. and I had a good time with it. It was definitely not a dark, gritty retelling of the story. You know, this was um, right. bright and uh, colorful, and it was very much a period piece set in this, you know, 70s era of Hollywood. Um, it, in some ways, that the cinematography reminded me a little bit of the um, Coen Brothers movie that we talked about, um, the Caesar one. Um, oh, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Yeah, I mean, not exactly, but sort of the just that, you know, sort of, the, I don't know, uh, idealized Hollywood. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, it's it's very I was about to say it's very Hollywood. Yeah. Looking type of film. Yeah. Very plasticky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very bright. So uh, and to Mike's point, lots of bad language. <laughs> there is a lot of there <laughs> are a sure. lot of, uh, let's say, uh, Anglo-Saxon words in this. Uh, you, one in particular <laughs> used a lot. There's some violence. There's the, the king. I mean, it's a mob. It's about the mob film that and includes the mob. So you can't get away from that. Um, and a little bit of sex. I'm not not a lot. I mean, like TV sex, which is which is to say there isn't you don't see a lot, but it's it's on screen and suggested. Um, one of the things that I was watching this around the same time I was watching the uh, light and magic special on Disney plus about industrial light and magic. And there was a quote in there from George Lucas, which really I thought applied to this, which is that Lucas says the secret to making movies is persistence. And if there's one word that sums up <laughs> this series is persistence, you know, just like uh, I had never heard the name Al Ruddy before this like i didn't know who mm -hmm. like when i thought about the godfather you think of coppola you think of the actors you know you don't yeah you know, you, i don't i never th thought of the who's who's the producer i don't know what do producers do who knows you know and and this is a show about al ruddy the producer the guy who made hogan's heroes making yeah. the godfather and you know his persistence and i thought that was very interesting i'm and in fact it in some ways, it, it makes the most important person in the making of The Godfather, Al Ruddy, over Francis Ford Coppola. You know, and, and, and in fact, it shows some ways that Coppola was really dependent on Al to get things done. And I don't know how real that is, but it was very interesting to, uh, to see this depiction of it. Yeah, that was one of the things that that threw me off was was like I've always like heard all the stories about Francis Ford Coppola having to fight and and with the studio and then uh, try to, to get his vision to to cast the the people that he wanted to cast and right uh, yeah they're not yeah Al Ruddy was I mean from my knowledge of it which is i wouldn't say i'm an expert on the making of the godfather but he he doesn't stand out like too much so yeah that was kind of sort of a surprise i mean i don't know if it's a case of like they really wanted miles teller because because of the type of actor he is he could really lead a series and yeah. uh maybe they wanted to focus on that or or maybe there's more to uh, there's more to al ruddy than than is out there in like you know in, in books or or uh or any stories from the making of the film. So that, 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 I, the, the emphasis on, on Al Ruddy was a, a surprise to me. 
yeah. uh, as a viewer. What was kind of weird about this for me was I, <laughs> I was watching, I don't remember exactly when it fell in there, but somewhere in there when I was going through the offer uh, is when I went to Top Gun 2. Uh, yeah. And so <laughs> there was this weird, like, yeah, me <laughs> too. you know, yep. yeah, but I had the same experience. His, his yeah. character's not a whole lot different in some ways, <laughs> or like, I mean, just like yeah. the Miles Teller thing, you know, but um, I guess it is. A, it's, it's a different character for sure. But it reminded me, it's like when the, um, when he's starting to date that girl in New York, which I was just thinking to myself, like that really chewed up some screen time. Like it had absolutely like no effect on the, plot of the show whatsoever i was kind of like why would they even bother it's with one that of the, one of the weaknesses of the show yeah i, was I, was like, like, yeah. You know, I think i know why mentioned but, again. but 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 the, yeah. the only reason i bring her up is um when she comes and she sees you know the scene when they're filming the, the restaurant scene um and he's been trying to explain to her what it is that he does you know and then she says at the end of that scene like i think i know what you do you know i think i get it like you're you know you're a problem solver and that kind of thing and i thought i'm not at all comparing myself to um you know, uh, Al Ruddy or, or any producer, but, but what I actually kind of felt sometimes through this show was there was a little bit of a parallel to some stuff I ran into in the army a lot where like you have, like, there's all this stuff going up. Like, you know, if you're like a, a like a middle rank officer, you know, mm -hmm. and you've got like all this stuff going on and it's just like that whole world up there, like brigade or, you know, division or whatever. And then there's all like your people who are trying to do the actual stuff you know the actual like like the the work they're trying to you know put this this briefing together put this this you know battle plan together whatever it is and sometimes i i've i spent an awful lot of my time just basically getting in between those two worlds or just finding yeah. myself there where it's like running interference you know or you've got some completely ridiculous decision being made or someone's just off above you and they're they're mad at people because something went wrong and like you sort of are just there and you're like taking all that heat so that your people can get the thing done right you know? or and then also being the one who knows what they need because you're close to them and you're the one who goes up and you're like listen you got to make this right because you're you guys are doing this and this is the effect it's having and it's you know and so i actually in a weird way i was kind of like okay i feel like that job exists in a lot of different places yeah <laughs> you know and i i felt so much but the funny thing is i'm watching this show and i'm feeling so much stress <laughs> you know right. thinking to myself like my, my real life wasn't you know like yeah. as stressful as this show is with that so again like what maybe what andrew was saying too i don't know how much of that was you know you know they take several things and cram them into one meeting or something because they give you the impression that it was like that every single day and i don't know right. maybe it was but but yeah that was it definitely made that, you know, you, you felt that in each episode. So a couple of things. Well, the, the project actually was the, the role of Elrod. was originally supposed to be Army Hammer. Uh, oh, but really? He, but he that's got right. replaced. He dropped out um, uh, pretty early on. And that's when Miles Teller came in. Uh, and in the credits, the every uh, before every episode, they did say, you know, based on the recollections of Al Ruddy. So, right. so Ruddy was involved somehow. I don't think he wrote a book. I don't, I didn't see anything about a book that he had written or that he, someone had, you know, interviewed him for, you know, that sort of thing, like a memoir. But so, but, but I, I don't see like, but the, the producers and the writers were all these other people. They weren't Al Ruddy. You know, I, I think he got a producer credit on this, but I think that's more of one of those um, polite things. Like it's your story. So we're giving you a producer credit. Um, so it, it was um, 
very yeah it was an interesting look in, into this world um let's talk a little bit about the actors we talked we mentioned a little bit about miles teller um as al ruddy i had i had seen miles teller in a couple of things maybe uh this he was a bit of a revelation i thought he was really good in this i i really i believed him i i believed his uh drive and uh it was good. It was it was good. He's he's a little stoic at times, but but yeah, you know he's a little bit leading man ish. Um, he's the opposite of say Tom Cruise can be manic on a set, yeah. uh, whereas he's stoic. But I think that worked for this because you needed someone who was steady through all mm. of the 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 craziness from all the directions he was getting it. What did you guys think yeah. of Teller? Yeah, I thought. I think I think you hit it right on the head. I, I, he he played it pretty straight, and, mm-hmm. and and like I mentioned earlier, you know the other characters like like Coppola and uh, um, and Puzo, they were more like comedic relief yeah. uh, a lot of times, and uh, Ruddy just played it straight pretty much throughout the whole f- uh, series, um, and I think yeah, I definitely needed that because. Because again, you know, I, I, if the focus was going to be on 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 his character and his sort of journey, and 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 you're and a lot of the most of the conflicts of trying to get the movie made was was uh, that sort of weight was put on his character's shoulders. So yeah, um, he didn't have as much room to be sort of zany or, or wacky as as maybe some of the other characters did. Uh, he didn't really have that freedom. So I think he played it right. And yeah, Miles Seller, I mean, since Whiplash, he's been like one of my favorite actors and uh, mm-hmm. one of the better leading male actors, I think, in the industry. And uh, yeah, he, 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 in my eyes, he hasn't done wrong yet. So, and, and so I thought he, he, uh, he played the the part just right for, for the series. Yeah, no, I thought I don't really have much to add. I agree, you know, and um, it, it's, uh, you know, I think sometimes I don't want to say if it threw me off, but but near the end, I, I got a little not confused. I don't know what the word is, but near the end, I, you know, like as they start to focus more on like the next step, you know, is where I started to you know they're really focusing on him and his next. I I didn't really, you know, I didn't really care. <laughs> That's not <laughs> not to be cruel, but just yeah. from the, as just a viewer, I was like, I don't really, you know. And then the big build up to like, oh, it's you know the longest yard, you know, I'm like. Uh, okay you know I, <laughs> yeah. that's all well and great right. great great you know great movie but it's like that's not like it felt like it to me I, i'm still at that point thinking this is a show about the godfather right yeah so like you know you need to end it somewhere it made, made sense i don't think it was wrong i just that i found it difficult for some reason and he's there at the end with burt reynolds and everything. i was just like i don't know if like i would have yeah. ended it there they felt like it made it not about the godfather at the end I, I yeah, they, should, they definitely should have ended it with uh, like if the show, uh, if it was, I guess if it was more centered around Coppola, it would have made total sense yeah. to end it with like do, him getting the call to do Godfather two, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, or yeah, the but since, No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <some> beautiful. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Something um, thematic. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, since this was, again, this is more Ruddy, Ruddy is more of the main character than, yeah, I, 
And I agree. It was kind of uh, it was a weird ten. I didn't care either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of his, yeah. a lot of the subplots, you know, the again with with Ruddy and and the girlfriend, like uh, again, didn't care for a lot of that stuff. But you know, he he was for the most part, uh, he played the part really well. And then uh, when it when it focused on the main story, uh, it was a really good show. Yeah. I want to run. I don't want to spend too much time on the rest of the cast. It's a huge cast, uh, but I want to mention some of them. There are a lot of British and Australian actors doing American accents. Uh, we got Matthew Good <laughs> as Bob Evans um, with a very nasal uh, accent, which, but but he was so good. I just think he did such a great job. He was uh, great. He was one of my favorites on the show. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I felt like I mean that that's that's Emmy you know uh, level because he uh-huh. that character was. It wasn't a caricature. I mean, he went through a lot of different places and sometimes the unexpected ways. So I, I really, I really like that. Um, Dan Fogler as Coppola. I mean, he, the look, he looked like him. I mean, uh-huh. on par, totally. on point. There. Totally. Um, and uh, I liked him. I mean, he was a very likable character, very likable person. You believe that this is a guy who's, you know, going to be a great director. And by, you know, he hadn't done much up to this point, up to the first Godfather. And this was his big, you know, his big break. Um, Bern Gorman, who just is awesome and everything. He's yeah. just, yeah. he always plays a great villain in a lot of stuff. Uh, but in this, he, Bluthorn was not, was not the villain. You know what I mean? In fact, I don't think anyone ended up being the villain. There were people who were obstacles that had to be won over, but but no villains. Well, Joe Gallo would. Yeah, I, Joe Gallo is probably the closest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to throw this as a total random side note. But Jack Ballard, yeah, you know, the character Paul McCrane plays is you know that 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 you know kind of jerky you know side producer guy or whatever. Um, uh, I knew he looked familiar, and I finally placed him because oddly enough, I'm looking at the cast list, and he's pretty much next to Eric Balfour, yes, uh, who was like the prop guy, and I was like, both of them were on Twenty Four. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so it's like this. This that's I was right. like, oh yeah, it's Graham Bauer, right? And um, Milo, I think was was there. Milo, so that was right. a fun, yep. a fun connection to twenty four. It's been a yeah. while. <laughs> so uh, Barry Lapidus. So so far, everyone has been a real person. Barry Lapidus uh, is a composite character of right. a lot of different people who kind of played the role of executives who got in the way, uh, and he's played by Colin Hanks, who's the son of. Tom Hanks. So uh, oh, he's looking and sounding right. more like his dad. Yes. Like all the, I think like every time I see him. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then we have uh, Giovanni Ribisi, as you mentioned, as Joe Colombo. He played he played Colombo over the top. I mean, that was a larger than life mafia Don sort of character. Um, I, I kind of I don't know. I kind of have an affinity. I mean, in, in some ways, he's as larger than life as like as you know, the Godfather was, you know what I mean? Just like sort of a little bit over the top and maybe that was intentional. I don't know, but uh, it's kind of, it was kind of uh, I, like you said, I really love Giovanni Ribisi anyway. Yeah. So uh, it was oh, good. Yeah. Well, is that just to ask you guys real quick was I, I, my impression was, I think it was pretty clear that they were trying to sort of just put him within the show as the, like the most real world analog to the Don pretty clearly is, yeah. is that, is, was that the impression you got that they were going for that kind yes. of yes i mean joe columbus yeah. was a real guy he right, he right. really got shot at a rally for the italian american yeah. league and all that sort of stuff but yeah but he was also the closest thing in the movie to 
a dawn that they had to mm-hmm. deal with. And I really thought it was interesting how Al kind of became friends with them, went from adversary mm-hmm. to f- friends breaking bread, you know, even to the point where he had to be warned off by Columbo's guys. Like, you don't want to be seen here. Like, that makes mm-hmm. you one of us, and you you don't want to do that. So I, I like that that speech that exchange. Like, you know, you're coming up to a line. Yeah. You know, like that was just the, the courtesy of that. Was, right. <laughs> was neat. Yeah. yeah. That it. There's a story my dad tells. My dad's best friend growing up was one of the lieutenants for the Patriarch crime family in Boston. And uh, w- one time was visiting him. Uh, the Don was in the hospital. My dad went to go see his buddy and to, to, about something and left. And then those guys came out and were on the front page of the paper coming out of the hospital. You know, the patriarchal crime family lieutenants keep vigil for the dawn. <laughs> and my dad like missed it and by like dad. just minutes. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so he, he, I was, it made me think with Al, you know, like, you know, you want to be careful. You don't want to be seen with us. I'm like, yes. yeah, it was the same sort of thing. Oh. Uh, and then, of course, I got to talk about Juno Temple as Betty McCart, who oh, yeah. people will recognize Juno Temple from uh, Ted Lasso. She's Keely Jones in that. Um, she's very oh, yeah. uh, strong female character. Doesn't, you know, I, I, I liked the female characters in this in this story. They were all um, strong women who didn't, you know, sleep their way to the top, that sort of thing. There wasn't, you know. There was a mention of the sexism of the era and and that sort of thing, but like it was, it was never. You know, Betty got things done. I mean, in, in some ways, without Betty, that the Godfather wouldn't have been made. You know, so it, it it at least in the depiction in the in the offer. So Juno Temple is just awesome. She's she's a she's a breath of fresh air. I think. Totally, I just realized she was uh, Anne Hathaway's friend in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Which yep. which also had uh Bluthorn in it. I just lost his real name. So, <laughs> uh, Burn Gorman. Yeah, yeah. It's all connected. Burn Gorman, yeah. <laughs> it's all six degrees. Um, That's right. <laughs> a few of the uh, recurring cast I gotta mention. Anthony Ippolito as Al Pacino. He Oh yeah. Great. He, so good. He really put on Pacino. The the stance, yeah. the the hunched shoulders. Yeah, that was yeah. it was remarkable. Um, Especially in the restaurant scene, I thought, and and like when Bluehorn tries to go up and congratulate him, and he's like in his mode, and he's yes. like, uh, you know, but yeah, he really, I thought, looked just like him there. Um, and then uh, you know, a couple others maybe. Uh, from Patrick Gallo as Mario Puzo also looked really, you know, really good as Puzo, constantly eating, which is awesome because his his yes. wife in the beginning telling him, you know, you, you got to watch your diabetes, you got to watch your sugars. And then the rest of the movie, he's just eating all the time. I just thought it was hysterical. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this, this movie. Um, well, you got to You got to also mention Justin Chambers as Marlon Brando. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. one, one, one of the best scenes is, is, is when they first – they go to his Brando. house. Yeah, they go to his house, and and that 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 I know is accurate. Yeah, how that plays out for the most part, where he just like goes into character and and you know has the idea to put the you know the Kleenex in his mouth, and uh, that's all real. Yeah. That's all that all took place. Oh, yeah. amazing. Do you do you know Andrew if he really did, or if it was at least part of it that that he took the role just to 
as as he says to piss off Sinatra. Oh, Sinatra. <laughs> I, actually like that. I actually didn't know that, but that that I mean, sounds like something he <laughs> yeah. would do. So yeah. I, I, yeah, you know, I like if it's not true, it should be kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just the fa- the fact that Sinatra did not want this movie to be made. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, a younger generation may not realize that Frank Sinatra was heavily involved with the mob. You know, he mm-hmm. was the chairman of the board considered, you know, he he was probably the most famous Italian American in America and therefore, you know, was knew a lot of people, you know, connected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes he would say, I, you know, I don't want this to happen. I want this to happen. And that's what it would happen. Uh, so to see him in this and and how, you know, he's his um, his opposition scared off. Uh, what was his name? Um, the first musician oh, yeah. who's going to play um, oh uh oh now we're all scrambling now to find yeah um it was uh victimone yeah victimone yeah scared off victimone uh you know from the role and you know then they had to um you know bring in oh the the guy who eventually played it um but yeah it was just the sinatra's key role in things um so many other there were other little moments like Robert Redford showing up when Al had to go and get to the set of um uh the movie what, what was the um Butch Cassidy the Sunday's Kid Cassidy, yeah, 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 yeah to to recruit him and just I just really I I liked how they showed Ruddy's inventiveness and mm-hmm. boldness <clears throat> and persistence in 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 those things so uh Puzo in the beginning where he's talking to his wife, who's about writing the book. He hasn't written the book yet at the, at the beginning. And he tells his, he tells his wife his idea for the story. And, uh, and he tells about why he should, you know, his wife says to him why he should write about mobsters, right? Maybe this book is about finding the reason we would kill. What would you kill for? And that's an interesting approach like because mobster stories before that mobster movies were just were just assumed that they're animals you know that they're they're killers and that's why the mob the mafia was unhappy with the making of mobster movies and she, she had the insight to say maybe the story should be about finding out why what would bring you to kill and that's mm-hmm. really you know because she and he are immigrants who came from the same background but they didn't become killers so why do some become killers and some don't and i really thought that was an interesting insight into the story and into a certain experience but why do some become killers and some don't mm. um what do you think well but of course they really fleshed that out you know in the sequel which is i mean you know it's it's i don't know if i have a favorite one i know the third godfather's not my favorite <laughs> yeah <though. laughs> Though reference our previous episodes, I enjoy them all, of course. But um, but it's interesting just trying to you know pretend you haven't seen the sequel, you know, haven't seen Godfather two, and go back and just think of the original movie mm-hmm. exploring that, you know, and and how do they explore that in the original movie? And um, it's the thing that I always come back to with all of these is I'm just profoundly fascinated, as again we've talked about in our shows before too, at the specific understanding of Catholic faith, you know, in this context yep, for these people in these, these situations. Cause it's just, to me, it's just so, 
it's so difficult and I'm, I'm no angel, you know, no saint, but by the saint, like how, like Connie in the third movie, we, you know, we talked about yeah. that last time about, you know, you know, go kill, you know, <laughs> go kill, you know, who was it? Joey, uh, Joey Zaza, you know, kill yeah. Zaza. I'm gonna go over here and light a candle, you know, father, son, Holy spirit. It's like, how, <laughs> how do you, I, I just, I don't really know the answer to that, you know, yeah. but, but the movie is so good at making these characters from the get-go, I mean, at least as early as Michael telling Kay at the wedding the story about Luca Brasi. You right. Know? You know, the, the, as they're at the wedding, like, you know, you know who you're dealing with as a film viewer, at least from that point on. And somehow, you know, you're rooting for them. You know, you're you're kind of in it with them. And, and that's that is, I think, an astonishing feat that they do that and that it just does that the whole way through the movie. Right. It just like, you know, uh, uh, he, uh, cool. Yeah. Sonny Michael Corleone says, you know, they pull me back in, you know, I mean, yeah. and it pulls us in. We're pulled right. almost against our will. We're, we're part of it. We want to be, you know, we're rooting for them. We, and it's interesting to see how intertwined, like you said, intertwined, there's a religious understanding is but how that can be perverted how our faith if we're not careful can be perverted to justify things that ought not be justified well by the same token how you don't like i I don't defend anything they do right like it's not like i'm watching it like you know what i got this problem with this guy i know and this (laughs) might be a good way like no not it's never even a temptation right but I feel like there is something in me that it doesn't make light of it, but gets an intuition into the complexity of just how distorted the fallen human nature is. Yes. You yes. know, so to just be a little more open to to mercy, maybe in that way of just, you know, or being more willing to pray for people, maybe that I wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. Maybe, you know, that maybe, that, maybe yeah. that happens. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. What was groundbreaking, groundbreaking about the, the Godfather and uh, it, it just it laid a foundation for all mafia movies and TV shows that came after it. It's, it, mm. it humanized the the mob boss type character. You know, if you think of shows like Sopranos, uh, where where like yeah, the he is a he, he Tony Soprano is a horrible guy who's done horrible things, but he he goes through all the different human feelings of being a, a father, being a husband. And, and, uh, you know, he goes to uh, a key part of that show is going, he goes to therapy, you know? So it's right. like, if the, the, like you mentioned, like mom movies before the Godfather were just, you know, entertaining sort of, uh, pictures where, you know, the, he had, it was just a stereotypical sort of like mom guy. That's, that's, that's bad and we'll kill people and we'll rob and whatever. But the, you know, I think that was a, a, a key part of uh, a key observation of, of, of what the book really was. It's, it's like what, what can drive a, a human being to, to want to kill. Yeah. And, and yeah, I thought, I thought that that's, that was, that really, if you were to describe the, the theme or the, the, the point of the movie in a phrase, that would be it. Mm. So the, the story itself is really a story of this. The offer is a story of three families. We have Coppola and the filmmakers as one family. We have Evans and the other executives, including at parent at Gulf and Western uh, as another family. And then you have the mafia, the family and Ruddy's job is to, is to kind of jump between them 
to balance them, to to you know keep them at bay. It's basically he's juggling like the three balls in the air that he can't drop. And I thought that was that was a complex thing that they I think they pretty successfully pulled off is this is showing us this complex dance of keeping these three different families satisfied and going and you know and it, at times it seemed like it would never work and it eventually does. Well, it's a very accurate job description of what a producer does. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think and like Mike described, you know, it's 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 a job description for for a lot of different people. I mean, I'm a producer by trade as well. And so I can kind of relate to that. I mean, I, I work in Catholic media, but and 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 in a sense, that's essentially what I, a lot of what I do is like making sure the talent's happy, making sure the, the people working behind the scenes are happy. Everyone's, uh, on time and on set. Uh, but you know, a lot of times you're just dealing with different personalities, you know, big or small. Um, so I thought like that part of it is very believable because if you ask any producer, even working today, that's, that's essentially what their job description is right right yeah i mean if anything if you want to show some young person you know if they ask what what does a movie producer do this would be a good you know series to show it don't you older than teenager please uh but right. yeah you know if someone wants to know what a producer does this is not a bad way of showing them you know <laughs> at an extreme level perhaps but yeah um you don't always have to deal with the mob uh there is a there is a point in the movie where Evans is describing the importance. In fact, he does this several times, talks about the importance of movies to the people. And it's not just because because Gulf and Western and, and you know, Blue Horn are always about it's it's a product. We need to make money off of it. We need to sell it. And Evans says it's more than just a a, 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 a thing to sell. Um, and he, in fact, at one point he describes going to the movies like a religious experience. He compares oh, it to a liturgy <laughs> and the darkened movie theater became my church. He says, what did y'all think of his description there? I knew that would come up and that, that gave me chills. I wish I had written it down, but you know, he gets so serious because you know, the other, I, I remember correctly, the guy comes in, says it's time for the dailies and Peter's like, you know, Bob, we don't have time for the dailies. Like, let me tell you something, Bobby, you know, and he gives this whole <laughs> speech about how like, you know, he went and saw, wasn't it Errol Flynn, I think, as Robin yeah. or something, right, when he was a kid. And that whole buildup, and he gets to the end, and he's like, you know, we make the magic, you and me now. You know, we're the high priests. You know, I'm, sitting, I'm like, whoa. And then he gets to the end, he's like, you know, it's time to go to temple. You know, and I'm just <laughs> like, wow, like, what an amazing expression of the, the you know, the sort of worst case scenario for the impulse God gives us that we, I was just talking to my students today about this. We're talking about natural revelation. So the school mm -hmm. year starting out, I have freshmen, I'm trying to walk them through the first few weeks of school, first week or so of school to say like, look, this whole question about God is, is not just something like so many people will tell you, you know, that's just a, a matter of faith. Like I just believe something. There's no good reason to believe, you know? So I'm trying to walk them through the, the rational you know, aspect of this, that God gave us faith and reason and that we are, you know, instinctively religious creatures, right? Like, you know, we are designed to be oriented toward transcendence, towards God. Uh, as Augustine says, you know, we are, our hearts are restless till they rest in you. So this idea of like how dangerous it is when you attach that nascent restlessness too much mm. to anything, you know, whether it's drugs or what, and you see in Evan's 
that attitude, I think, is honestly you know, the same thing that's going wrong in him towards cocaine. Right. You know, and so it's it's so that just yeah the broken nature of in one sense, it gives him this drive to make these movies and have that persistence. But clearly it's something's off. <laughs> like right. It's it's too, too anchored in that, you know, the movies have become his idol. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, there's a there's a danger where art, any art can become an end in of itself. Art should always be a depiction of what is good and true and beautiful, which ultimately comes from God. But if you lose sight of that, it be, it becomes an end in of itself. Um, and because he wasn't in it just for the money, obviously, he was making a lot of money, you could tell. But he wasn't just in it for the money. He was in it for the sake of the creative act. But even then, when you divorce that good from the ultimate good of God, it becomes an evil. And you could see that in the way his life fell apart when, you know, Ali McGraw left him. Yeah. So um, I thought one of the interesting turns in the movie was how the mob was so opposed to this film in the beginning. There was just no way they were going to allow this movie to be made. And then it turns and in fact they kind of become patrons Columbo becomes a patron of the movie um when Ruddy meets with Colum- Columbo and it turns out as long as they don't say mafia in the movie Columbo's okay with it i thought this was hysterical because then Ruddy goes to Coppola and says how many times does the word mafia appear in the script um once okay uh, can we take it out sure no problem whatever <laughs> it wasn't even a big deal. It wasn't even a problem. And I thought that was, I thought that was so funny. Yeah. It's all about PR for the mafia, you know, um, right. Like, well, as long as you don't call the mafia, then no, you can't attach it to us. Right. So Columbo started this Italian American rights league and he kind of, uh, uh, modeled it on like the NAACP and Martin Luther King. And because of the bad PR, uh, against Italians and it was, it's like deeply ironic because in fact they are the mobsters. They are exactly what the media is saying they are. And and it's just kind of this lack of self-understanding that you see. And it was a real thing. The, the Italian American rights league really did exist. And the other mobs, mob leaders, the other mob bosses are all kind of like, you know, Joe, I think you get, a, you know, bring a little too much attention to us. You need to dial it back. You need to shut it down. And of course, it became a way for them to 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 steal money to make money. They were funneling the money that was being donated to it. They were using they were laundering the money through the this organization to the to them. And so, I mean, I, I just found it a, a deeply ironic and kind of funny in a dark way, you know, uh, commentary on the on the mobsters. Well, like like the the yeah the meeting with um. Al, you know, Al's first meeting with Joe Colombo, you know, and he's, you know, walking over and he's just like, yeah, if I wanted you dead, I would have killed you already. I'm just kidding. You know, <laughs> he sits down and he's like, yeah, you're chatting your respect, all this, you know, and it's just like, you know, you're like, you know, what does he say? You like musicals or Westerns, you know? And he's like, oh, you know, Westerns, he's like me too. Now go back and make it, you know, like, it just, yeah. it's, it's not like a request. Like clearly this is a threat, you know, and. Right. <laughs> like in that same conversation, you know, it's kind yeah. of ironic. Yep. Yep. Um, so we have uh, one of the other scenes I really liked, and you guys can jump in with any scenes if, if you if you wanted to talk about them as I go. But there was one one another thing that really jumps out for me was the actor's dinner, the family dinner. 
Yeah. When they all kind of just fell into character, you know, Marlon Brando became Don Corleone and, you know, uh, you know, right down to the, where they, they had the, um, Oh, I, I'm always forgetting the different uh, characters names, but the, uh, Sonny Grosso, uh, who was, I think it was the, um, Talia Shire's husband, uh, um, what's her name? Oh, um, um, Connie's husband, Connie's, Carl. Carl, Carl, right. Carlo, yeah. Who was the abusive husband. And, right. And in fact, and so they kind of treat him like the jerk he is at this table. And it was it was fascinating to see how all the actors kind of fell into the characters around the dawn. I just I really liked that. That was a very subtly done uh, thing. It was really good. And Andrew, you probably know more about this than me, but I got to say that, you know, when later on, they have, you know, they're just talking and you see, you know, Talia Shire run by crying and that whole build up to like, you know, like car, like, you know, he actually, like, you know, Giovanni, what I think, what was, is that his name? I think, uh, Sonny. Yeah. Or the actor who played Carl. Oh, Carmine Giov- Giovinazzo. Yeah. Okay. Cause she's talking about him and, and I was looking him up too. I think you guys are probably doing a lot of this, you know, too, with just like the yeah. fact and fiction stuff. And, but, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely some stuff about him that's not, you know, exactly. You know, it doesn't exactly look very good. Right. Uh, and I don't know that there's I couldn't find any actual, you know, claims, at least or any like proof that, that he actually did hit her or anything on set. But I I really got to say, I love the the buildup of that in the context of the show of like, I'll take care of it. And then him going to Jimmy Khan and being yeah. like, hey, could you do me a favor? Because <laughs> I, I guess because from what I did read, like there was it did get rough. You know, but but yeah. he always claimed that it was just like, you know, part of it. And, you know, so I don't know. I don't have the truth to it, but I, I really enjoyed the way the show doesn't show it. But we know that scene so well. And it's just seeing them watch it like we didn't rehearse that or just that we choreographed <laughs> it. Like, should I cut it? And now we just you know, let, let it go another because it was it, pretty yeah, brutal like, when they went on screen. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a great scene, you know. Yeah, that the no, sorry, just the talk about that dinner scene like yeah that that really did happen yeah that, that awesome. dinner scene yeah that dinner scene really did uh yeah it was just like and, and this uh, this happens on a lot of sets where you know whether it's like a formal rehearsal or it's like you know they're just about to get into filming like the actors will just start getting into character and you know it, like maybe it's just maybe it was like one it might, it might have been like one actor that just started mm-hmm. and then there was sort of like this silent agreement like hey let's all just get into character now yeah um yeah i thought it was uh um it, it really depicted like how how like they like they Coppola fought so hard to have you know the, this cast uh you know yeah. and and to see them all in their elements and then to to really see like the wow okay this is when if you were like a fly on that wall like this is you you could see like wow they're about to make something special right uh, with this group of people right and you could see it in the faces of the act of you know Ruddy and Coppola like they knew this was special this that all that fighting to get you know Al Pacino over the objections of Evans and you know other and, and the others it is going to pay off like they knew it. You know, one thing I want to point out is the actor who played Carlo in The Godfather is Johnny Russo. But in the offer, they identified him as Sonny Grosso. 
So they changed the the name of the actor, I think, so that they're not libeling or the you know the real no, actor. You know, um, whether something actually did or not, it's probably not provable, and therefore they don't want to get sued for you know implying. Uh, I think I think that's the probably why they did that. But um, yeah, like we have be a really bad idea if you're in a scene where you have to get beat up to to hurt the director's sister beforehand i just think that would be a bad idea but you know anyway um so another great scene is after ruddy gets fired at one point he gets fired as producer um betty goes to joe colombo to to get to for him to use his power to get ruddy back on the on the movie um she takes control she she's and, you know, there are times when she goes to Bluthorn and she t- and she and he's enamored of her and she she tells him what's up. And in some ways, Betty is more important than Ruddy to the making of this movie. Like she she go, goes and gets Bluthorn to, you know, to do things that need to be done. She goes to Columbo and gets him to do the thing that needs to be done. And I just think that was a fascinating character moment. I, again, I don't know how real that is to the to what actually happened, although by all accounts, Betty McCart uh was a real uh amazing agent afterward uh, which is what the movie says she did so um yeah i thought that was a really good scene um i think brando in this comes off as less weird and crazy than pop culture has us believe in fact he seems to be one of the calmer of everyone in fact most of the actors come across much better than the people making the movies, you know, in, you know, around them. I, I, just, I thought that was kind of an interesting aspect to this. What did you think? Yeah, I thought, you know, uh, Brando didn't get really crazy until he got, uh, way after this, this movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he, you could tell, I mean, again, in that scene where, uh, you know, they go to meet him and you could tell, like, this is a, peculiar guy this yeah. is not like your run-of-the-mill like he's not even an an eccentric hollywood actor like he's something else he's something you can't really describe um just the way that he interacts and and the way that he carries himself and um yeah he does have a big ego but uh but the his brilliance is always on display um so I thought, yeah, I thought that was a good portrayal of him, and 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 uh, the way Al Pacino's character is portrayed, I thought had to have been very accurate. I mean, uh, one of one of my favorite scenes is uh, when uh, Coppola and Pacino are preparing for the big scene that got moved up the the scene where mm-hmm. uh, he goes to the bathroom to grab the gun. Um, that's a great scene because it shows like, well, how how much pressure they both felt, you know, yeah. filming this movie. And it's, it's the, the, again, the, the scene like got moved up and, and Pacino was nervous about it. And, and Coppola being the brilliant director that he is, uses his actual nervousness <laughs> to pour into the scene. You know, that's what a good director does. Like, okay, use that. Right. Yeah. You know? So, and obviously we've all seen the movie. He's, crazy nervous right. <laughs> doing that. He, and, you know, he tells him like, you're not showing it in the restaurant. You're trying to hide it, but you, you are, you are nervous, you know, to the bone. And so then he has I, the prop guy 
put the gun yeah. in a different yeah. place. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. And that was, that's a true story. That's a real depiction. Um, so yeah, I thought, uh, like, uh, so like if you, you think of Pacino now, like you, you would never imagine him being right. nervous on a set. Right. But yeah. this is, this is Pacino when no one knew who he was and, and they wanted a million different guys to play the role other than him. And he wasn't a leading man yet. So, uh, I, I thought that it, it really, the portrayals really served the, 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 the series well. Yeah. Well, I, I, um, can I just, can I mention two real quick that I really, yeah. I really liked one of them was the, um, just a quick one when they go to Sicily. Love Sicily. And it's beautiful. And this is great. And like, there, yeah. it's like a moment of happiness, you know, and they've had so much stress and like, they're sitting down for 20 seconds. You know, the, the mater D guy, whatever the waiter comes yeah. over and he's just like, oh yeah, this is Mr. Bruno. You know, and he's like, oh yeah. You know, he didn't, he like Al's shaking his hand and he's like, he says, you come back tomorrow, you know, and all this. And he's like, okay. And sees the guy go off into the side room and Al's like, calls the waiter over. And he's like, uh, Mr. Bruno, is he, um, uh, mafia, you know, he's like, see, see, they run everything. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> we're out of here in the car going like, no, we're like, we're absolutely not like, just not doing that. And then back, back to Brando. I just love, you know, the little details like the, uh, and I don't know how many of them are true. I mean, they feel true. Like it's like, that seems like, like where something like that would come from, but you know, showing up on set in the Don's office, you know, and Al's like, you know, got a coffee or whatever. And he's just like showing up and where'd the cat come from? It's like, that's real. It's the, an alley the, cat. He yeah. just, you know, the cat was not like, in the scripts. Yeah. The, he's he, like, I like it. And like, you just don't want to take it away from him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then uh, in that same scene, you know, and when, you know, uh, by the way, the guy who ever played Bob Duvall, he doesn't have a big role in this, but he, he looked just like him. Yep. But I love as he turns around, he's got the huge cue card. You know, he's like, what's on Duvall? He's like, oh, Brando doesn't memorize his lines. <laughs> you know, like, and they're like, okay. Yeah. That's accurate as well. Yeah. <laughs> Look, what does that matter to me? You know, <laughs> well, you're making the movie it's so uh, great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really liked Was it? I think it was true. This whole thing about the, um, the film editor, the original film editor and the associate producer, Jack Ballard kind of undermining them, uh, like sending the daily, the worst dailies to Bluedhorn to kind of, get Ruddy fired and Coppola fired and take over the movie uh, and make their kind of gangster movie, which would have been one of the greatest tragedies of art <laughs> ever. Uh, but I, I thought that was an interesting little interlude there to, to kind of show how cutthroat everything was, how you had to even just watch out for betrayal from within your own ranks. Uh, I mean, it really was it, in some ways, the film crew was like the mob, you know, the <laughs> betrayal. Uh, you had to, the underhanded dealing, the backroom deals, all that sort of stuff. So I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, it's a real miracle that the movie got made. Yeah, and Coppola uh, di like did not want to make the film. And uh, and he, you know, he was struggling like just internally, like. Like he felt like a sellout, you know, doing this movie uh, and and like he could have easily had given in, you know, to the pressure. And yeah. it's like, you know, what? I'll just do whatever the studio tells me and, and I'll collect my paycheck, you know. But but right. being the sort of auteur that he is, he, he couldn't let that happen. 
Speaking of Sicily, because I can't, I can't, how can I let Sicily go without saying anything about it? But uh, you be my, the land of my people. But uh, I really, I liked how when they they got the uh, the cafe that Michael meets um, Apollonia in. Yeah, and then also meeting the actress who plays, you know, the actress who will become Apollonia. You know, the in the the whole casting. I just uh, those two scenes. It was it was hysterical because. If you've ever been around Sicilian women, you know, like there's a certain kind of Sicilian woman like that just like she just walks in the room and all eyes are on her. You know, it's just it is it was so true. Like the thing and Sicilian men are like that. I I married one. So (laughs) I have a a family of them. Uh, So, you know, so it's kind of wild. Uh, So I really enjoyed that, that that little scene. It was it was a bit of a, you know, a. Uh, you know, she never shows up again. She's in one scene, which, in, in actually, in some ways, it's like the Godfather itself. She's not in it much, but uh, it was also fascinating to see how much of a shoestring all of that was. The whole Sicily part of that movie, uh, you know, how how much they had to do with so little, you know, uh, over there. Yeah. Well, and how important it really is because you know he's harping on that the whole time, and like yeah. we know it watching it and it's just like yeah it really does matter <laughs> you know? it, it makes the movie yeah. it really does yeah um it it takes it to another level just like in that being right. in that place uh yeah it does um i also like lapidus's uh his redemption in a way you know when evans is you know off on his drug fueled binge and absent and so Lapidus takes over and he's trying to do this terrible marketing for the movie. I mean, I think he's in charge of Amazon's marketing for Rings of Power now. I mean, like it's just like a terrible marketing job. The posters are awful, you know, and uh, and so you know, eventually he figures out Evans is a jerk. Sure. But he's the right guy. Like. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Like I like you can dislike a guy and still recognize that he's the right guy for the job. And I really like that about about the, the movie where like everyone sort of is redeemed by the end. Again, ex- again, except for Joe Gallo, who's killed. But everybody else is fairly much redeemed. And I really like that about the series. Um the truth is, in reality, Evans only lasted at Paramount a few more years. He actually went back into making films, producing films right. after this. He made Chinatown, which they mentioned quite a bit in this in this one. But the, uh, and the pitch, the pitch for Chinatown is one of my favorite scenes because <laughs> he's just not like anyone who's ever just not been prepared for something at work, you know? Yeah. And he's just like water it's about so water it's uh you know like, oh. <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> technically it's about water <laughs> oh man so any any other things about the series i i guess well actually you know i wanted to say a couple other things about it um we talked a little bit about the final episode episode 10 they really jammed a lot in that final episode like we get to, yeah. you know, we, we have the debut, the biggest film of all time, winning the Oscar. Uh, now he's going to have to go make Longest Yard and buy. Like, it was like all this stuff happening. It was kind of disconcerting a bit. I, I, I felt like that was there was there was a there was a lot of extra fluff in the previous nine. Not a lot of extra, but there was fluff in the first nine. And then they crammed a lot into number 10. And I, just, I well, felt I, like that. My, my feel was it's because they spent. I feel like they spent 
spent what they could have done with that big premiere on the previous episode when they show it to the mafia guys. Right. You know, I felt like it, it, it was it was more like it built up to the screening for the, you know, the secret screening for those, which you know, made sense. But I. Yeah, I don't know. I think they were going for like this. You know, it means more to these guys, you know, than like the big Hollywood premiere, which, OK, fair enough. But then you have like this is the big premiere and it's just like them in a men's room and. Right. You know, and it's it's right. funny, but it's just like, oh, yeah, OK. Like, I forgot what this, and, you know, they just pop the door and listen to the applause. It's like, OK. So obviously, like if they had shown the audience watching it or something, that would have been. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dude, you don't want to do that twice. But yeah, I, I thought they could have done something more with that. I, You know, mm. how about you, Andrew? How do you feel about the ending of the, that last episode? Uh, like I mentioned before, I thought. You know, there was probably a better ending there if if they. Again, it made it, it it made sense for Ruddy's character since he's the the main character. It, I, I don't know if they needed to like go all the way to like him uh, on the set of pre- the yeah on the yard. set of longest yard. I don't think yeah that they probably stretched it out a little too much. And and again, that might be that, that's that's probably a case of where uh, Ruddy was really the point man or the storyteller of this, this series, uh, uh, more than anyone. Um, uh, there's, there's a movie coming out that Barry Levinson's directing called Francis and the Godfather, mm. uh, that is going to f- obviously, I mean, it's in the title. I'm sure it's going to focus more on Coppola. Right. right. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac is playing Francois Coppola. Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal is playing. Jake Gyllenhaal is playing Evans. Um, so it's uh, wow. yeah, it's in pre-production right now. I don't know uh, if it's. Um, wow. I don't think there's a date yet, but that that movie is uh, in the works. We'll have to talk um, about that one when it comes out. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> the channel, yeah, right. Of course, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I I think overall that I. I, I what my expectation was to see more of a Coppola centric uh-huh. uh, story, um, because that's again the 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 sort of tales that you hear from the making of the film have a lot to do with Coppola, and and it makes sense. He's he's a director. He's he's a more decorated, uh, you know, sort of celebrity behind the behind the scenes, right? Um, and and you know, no one knew of Ruddy, so this was like Ruddy's story, uh, sort of the untold story. Um, so I thought that, uh, again, overall it was a good, it was a good show, but yeah, I thought the ending was eh, whatever, yeah. you know, over stuff like, like you mentioned, and, um, maybe it should have just ended with the, the Oscar win or something, right. but, yeah. uh, but yeah, it was a little, a little fluffed. It is weird. Like you would expect conventionally, it should be told from Coppola's point of view, like this, this, this series. And I, I'm kind of glad in some ways that it is from Ruddy's point of view because it is different, and I kind of like that. Um, and I'm glad that they're making a movie about it from Couples' point of view because I I still want to see that, you know. So that it, it, it is interesting. So what do you think? Was Ruddy crazy to walk away from Godfather Two for the longest yard? Like he, it was a guaranteed smash hit. It was going to be the big, uh, you know, a, a, a hit sequel. Was was his reasons for walking away? Do you think he was justified? Well, you know, I the way he expresses it, I think 
makes sense, you know, um, that he sees it becoming like it, it's it's sort of its own world, you know, um, and seeing everybody else. But I don't know, by the same token, like he's, you know, he's stressed out before uh, the, the big premiere about how like everybody's got something else going. What's his next thing? And then it yeah. makes it worse when he's there. And, um, you know, Mario Puzo's got, you know, what, a million bucks for the treatment for Superman or something. Yeah, so it's not like yeah. like it's not just that they're all, you know, doing the Godfather. I think it's more just, you know, he doesn't see a real clear path forward for him at this point. So, yeah, except this, you know, this thing that he's had in the in the, you know, and it's a mind for a long time, you know, and, and this is his opportunity to do it, you know. Right. So well, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> And Hollywood's often about the next big thing. Like, what's your next thing? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I think, I think, I think him, I mean, I know the show portrays it, that it was his choice. I think it might not have been his choice. Mm. Was it? I, 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 I I don't know if this is factual, but, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's not how it, that's not how the show portrays it. So I think he might've been, contractually just left out uh of 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 the sequel um and you know that could have been a lot of the bad blood that he built with the studio um right because yeah i mean yeah sure the the first movie was a smash hit but um if you uh if you don't make friends with the right people then you're easily you know out on the street so yeah uh yeah I, i would i would say that it it could be, it could be either. I, I don't know. If, I would be surprised if it was his decision. Yeah. Is what I would say. It's like a strange I, decision yeah. if you make it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where everybody is coming back and you decide not to go after everything you went through to make the first one. Like you would, there would you would have none of the obstacles making the second one that you had with the first one. So why not? So I think you're, I think you're onto something. I, my guess is it makes more sense that he didn't have a choice. Yeah, I mean, it worked out for him. I right. mean, Longest Yard was very successful and, and he yeah. went on to have a successful career. I, I mean, he's, he's still working, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think it works with Clint Eastwood a lot. But um, yeah, it worked out for him. But yeah, like like we we both mentioned, I would be surprised if it was completely his choice. Yeah, he eventually went on and produced a Million Dollar Baby, which is a, a big was a big movie. With, right. Won Oscars. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes dramatically with Al Ruddy being the star it dramatically having him forced out would be a downer ending but having him go out on his own terms isn't is a you know more you know a better ending in that sense so I can see that any other things to say about the offer uh Mike any last thoughts notes no I think you know again like uh, the disclaimers you know we've given a few times as far as a general recommendation (laughs) but uh you know if you are (laughs) able to handle the language that kind of stuff it's it's like i said at the beginning it's it's definitely uh, entertaining the aesthetic you know getting being able to see those sets you know um Mm. done so perfectly like so precisely just it really it's just neat to kind of feel like you have a you know backstage pass to that you know even if it's it's definitely right um coloring outside the lines with with the uh (laughs) you know specific you know details and stuff so yeah um but uh, and I think like I think Mickey Cohen was still in jail for like tax evasion or something when that so like that's completely made up, yeah. you know, but it's like, I guess they figure like 
who cares if we, you know, throw Mickey Cohen into like it's not you know, like, right, right. It's based on a true you know. story. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inspired by actual events is always my favorite. Like, what is that even like? What isn't? Yeah, isn't? Yeah, you can make any, but, anything. Yeah. Star Wars yeah. is inspired by actual events, right? Yeah. So no, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's 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 fun. How about you, Andrew? Last thoughts? Yeah, um, I would just reiterate, like, if you're if you haven't watched the show, just uh, go into it. Not ex- like don't expect it to be uh, like The Godfather. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it's definitely telling. Uh, it's obviously telling the stories behind the scenes, and and whether it's accurate or not, like just know that it's uh, it's a more of a character. Char- the characters are like more caricatures and. Uh, that it's more about the Hollywood business and uh, it's entertaining in that way. And, and, and it, and it throws in like the, these cool, like, like if you were playing a Godfather trivia game, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh wow. That's how that, yeah. that scene was made. And that's how, that's what Brando did. Like it, it, there's all <laughs> these little nuggets in there. Um, but yeah, I would love, again, I would like whether that Barry Levinson movie ends up, being made or not, I would love to see uh, a more uh, like serious uh, or Coppola centric uh, story uh, mm-hmm. behind it um, uh, in, in a film or a TV show. So yeah, um, yeah that, that, that's, that's where I'm at. For my part, if you're a, if you're a Godfather fan, it's I'd watch it. If you are interested at all in how Hollywood made movies in the late sixties, early seventies, I'd watch it. Uh, if you like the you know the seventies period pieces, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and the acting, the the performance. I loved the performances, uh, and so it's, you know, so many good uh, actors in this. So uh, yeah. in general, you know, with the caveats that we gave about language and a little bit of violence, um, I, I I think it's well it's well worth the time. Uh, it was it was I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Awesome. All right. Uh, also, the the horse's head story was really awesome. So you have to watch it to find out what yeah. really happened with the horses. All right. Let's take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Chris N, Deborah B, Bradley J, Cynthia A, and Melanie Q. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We would love to hear what you think of the offer. Or if you are share a name with a mobster in one of these movies, <laughs> like Tim Lucchese does, <laughs> we would love to hear from you. And you can comment on the show by going to sqpn.com slash secrets or go to the StarQuest Facebook page or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com. Or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Mike Creevy, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of the offer. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Andrew Hermes, thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. Quest.